It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give him a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Definitely worth the trip to Sal's for uh, authentic Italian food. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by uh, Holiday Inn Properties. That's right, all of the Holiday Inn Properties, uh, if you're traveling anywhere in the U.S. and you need to stay someplace Stay at a Holiday Inn property. Not only is it a great place to stay, but we'll get you the Billy C. discount. That's right. Just call our toll-free number, 844-603-0364. 844-603-0364. Or just click the banner up on BillyCBoxing.com. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next boxing event, which is next Saturday, May 12th, the day before Mother's Day. Uh, world Championship fight is the main event. Saddam Ali will defend his title. Uh, go there. I'm going to be there. That's right. Uh, definitely check out that show. Get yourself some tickets right now. And uh, make sure you look me up because I'm going to be ringside for that fight. Best deal for tickets. Avoid the middleman. Go directly to the box office. And we got the link all set for you to save some money and go see a great fight. Every seat. At the Turning Stone is a good one. Uh, great place to watch professional boxing. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the fight poster. Can't miss it. It's on the right-hand side. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage. The Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit uh, BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting this guy's story uh, told. And it's uh, it would make a great movie, too. Oh, oh, did I let the cat out of the bag? Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, coming up uh, a little bit later on the show, Dax Khan will be joining us, uh, giving us his thoughts on uh, the bigger fight scheduled for this weekend. Uh, we'll be breaking down and giving you the predictions. I've uh, picked uh, uh, four fights that uh, we're going to be talking about. Uh, Paul Butler and Emmanuel Rodriguez uh, is a uh, fight happening over in England that I wanted to talk about. I think it's a good matchup. Uh, of course, uh, 
Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the young phenom who fights tonight, Ryan Garcia. Uh, and a really, I think this fight is extremely competitive, so I'm looking forward to it tonight. Uh, the fraud, David Hay, fights Tony Bellew again. And, of course, uh, Triple G against Vanis Monteroshian. Um, we'll be breaking down and giving you those predictions uh, coming up in a little bit. Um, I want to kick off the show. I got a, I got an update on Triple G Canelo. Uh, you know, I had I had said I thought I thought that uh, Triple G should not even pursue Canelo after all of this. And uh, well, we'll give you uh, an update. Maybe maybe he does listen to the show. I don't know. Uh, but I want to kick off the show with this: uh, the Japanese Boxing uh, Commission, the JBC, has um, they make a strong stand. You know, one thing I love about the Japanese fighters in anything—not only boxing, but obviously martial arts, etc. Um, you know, they're very. These guys have a lot of pride. And not only do they have pride inside the ring, they carry that pride outside the ring. They're pr- proud about their, the fact that they're a fighter, that they go in, in into combat, so to speak. Uh, they're proud about the gyms that they fight for, the promoters they fight for, their fans. Very proud fighters. And the commission doesn't mess around. It was announced yesterday um, that... Uh, on well, actually, it was announced on April 25th. It was reported uh, yesterday that the WBC flyweight champion, who's from Japan, uh, Diego Higa, uh, was overweight by two pounds when he was uh, scheduled to to defend his title, and the Japanese Boxing Commission really struck him hard. Not only did they charge him 20% of his purse as a penalty? Um, they warned his manager, uh, Yoko Gushikanian, uh, Goose Shikanian, uh, and, and they suspended Higa indefinitely, meaning that he can't fight in Japan anymore. Um, very similar to their stance on the former uh, Bantamweight champion Luis Neary uh, and uh, Higger, uh, both uh, uh, when they fought or were supposed to fight, uh, they uh, have stipulated some pretty strict rules. Joining me right now to get his thoughts, because Sal's been saying a lot of stuff about overweight, and you know, being overweight. You know, we've been talking about uh, Canelo Alvarez testing positive and, and criticizing the Nevada State Athletic Commission for for not even slapping him hard on the wrist. Here, the Japanese Boxing Commission, a guy two pounds overweight, suspended indefinitely. Joining me right now, Sal Rocky Senecolo. What's your thoughts on such a uh, stiff penalty? I, you know, I'll tell you why. You're a paid professional. What does that mean? That means you're paid. You're paid a sum of money to fight. You're paid to go by the rules and regulations. You're paid because you accepted this responsibility. I say responsibility because you have a responsibility to your fans, to the game of boxing, and to your opponent, and to other entities that are in the boxing world. So you know how I feel, Billy. There is no way, shape, or form or excuse that a fighter can't make that weight on the scale. 
I don't care. I I used to bring a scale that was balanced uh, to the to the uh, <clears throat> medical scales in my briefcase in my in my gym bag. I had a scale that I I was weighing myself all the time. I never failed weight, and I peeled down to 20, 30 pounds here and there. But the bottom line is this: it doesn't matter what I did. The bottom line is people should make sure that they do what they're supposed to do, what they're paid to do. They're paid professionals. And if you can't make a weight class, then get off the scale and go up to the next weight class. But the bottom line is, yes, you're a paid professional. That means you abide and you accept the conditions of the contract and you abide by the rules and regulations. And if you should get slapped hard, then you deserved it. And I, I, I'm all for it. And, you know, here we, we have a, a way to finagle the rules and soften them up and have conditional things going on and everything else. But, no, you should get slapped hard. Maybe it'll, it'll send a message and teach other people. You know what they do in the Middle East? So, someone said yesterday, they said, oh, wow, I want to go live in Dubai. It's a, a zero crime rate. And yeah, you know why? Because if you get caught stealing, they're going to cut off your hand. You know, these are, these are things. If you do things with severity for the, for the things you're not supposed to do, Maybe people think twice before you do it again. Well, I tell you, if Higa chopped off his hand, he probably would have made weight. But uh, uh, you know, I'm mistaken. I'm mistaken. Lu- Luis Neary was also overweight and was uh, it was not an opponent for Higa. But but here's um, you know they were so upset. Uh, that they came in overweight. And we're talking two pounds. I mean, how many times have we seen these guys not even get on the scale because they know they're, they're way over? Um, the team announced an two apology pounds. in a wit- written form. Our boxer, Dago Higa, this time committed a disgraceful overweight incident, which we deeply reflect on. Higa was hospitalized for a medical checkup after the fight, but discharged from the hospital afterwards. We sincerely accept the Japanese Boxing Commission's punishment and seriously take on health control uh, of our fighters. We hereby apologize for the dishonorable incident that Higa committed. Um, wow. This is uh, uh, his team, uh, the promotional and management team, uh, which does consist of... Uh, uh, Yoko uh, Gushikin, uh, who was also a former world champion in 108-pound class, who defended his title on 13 occasions, never came in uh, overweight. And um, the Japanese Boxing Commission also said that uh, should Higa ever be reinstated in Japan, uh, one of the stipulations will be that he must move up to a higher division uh, before they consider it. Uh, feeling that uh, since he uh, tipped the scales two pounds over the 112-pound uh, limit, uh, he weighed 114, that uh, uh, you know he needs to move up. Um, they have incorporated and hope that the WBC, uh, who he was defending the title for, uh, and everyone else in the boxing world adhere to these rules. Number one, there's five rules that they have uh, uh, specified and spelled out. Uh, for the Japanese Boxing Commission. Number one, the overweight boxer should make his final scaling two hours uh, since his failure to make weight. Uh, some fighters say no more, um, meaning that uh, uh, they should get two hours if they have to get back on the scale again. Uh, number two, the second weigh-in, which is that maximum two hours, 
with the mutually agreed upper limit on the next day should take place to avoid the overweight uh, boxer's drastic rebound on weight at fight time. So in other words, they, they uh, want to have uh, a rehydration clause uh, incorporated in that. Number three, stipulated ruled penalty out of purse in the case of being overweight. Hit, hit these fighters where it hurts the most, not their face, not their body, their pocketbook. And uh, I agree with that. He says the supervisor or the local commission staff should be watching the uh, progressing of the overweight boxer's reduction of his weight after his first failure. Uh, lately, some boxers haven't seriously reduced weight in order to fight and win on the next day. So they're saying that they should be supervised with however they determine that they're going to try to lose weight to get on that scale for the second and final opportunity to make weight. And finally, uh, the length of suspension depends on the uh, quantity of being overweight. Boxing rules have serious defects in regulating the overweight procedure, which should be discussed uh, as early as possible in uh, forthcoming conventions. Um, well, the Japanese Boxing Commission takes two pounds very seriously, Sal, because they suspended this guy indefinitely. I think it's good. I, listen, the only way to get people to follow rules is to have stiff penalties, don't you think? Yes, I do, Bill. I think, I think that a lot across the board. And uh, I'm not talking – I don't want to get too involved with our judicial system and politics. But, yeah, rules are in place for, for a lot of reasons. And when it comes to the safety of fighters and the weight classes, I mean, like I always said, Bill, I don't want to just harp and, 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 and beat it up. <laughs> That's no pun intended. Uh, but, you know, you're a paid professional. And you sign a contract. And neither is to be taking, taken too lightly. And I applaud the Japanese boxing commissioner and uh, their rules and regulations and how, how serious they take these, these rules and regulations and contractual obligations. I think it's, it's, I think it's good. I think it's a, a model that we should all follow because, you know, this is something that it just blows my mind. How you could sign a contract. And you're being a paid professional to adhere to the rules and regulations of what you sign. There is no excuse how you cannot dry out, stop at a, a miss a meal, uh, work out extra, put on a little rubber suit uh, to sweat it off. And I mean, these are the things we did. And and you know what? We 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 we. When I say we, it just seemed like it was just a a, a matter of fact that we made sure that we did what we had to do to make weight because that was what we signed the contract for and that's what we were being paid to to do being a professional people better take this a little more serious you know the the, the when you said miss Emil, the, the 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 studio foundation shook here um i'm I'm, uh, I'm in upstate new york about you are. uh three and a half hours north of of uh the city and I think uh, Jarrell Baby Miller was listening to, to the show because when you uh, suggested that a fighter miss a meal, he, he just fainted. And I think that's what the big uh, crash and rumble was. It may have, uh, uh, may have uh, uh, registered uh, uh, on the uh, earthquake scale. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, the, the thought of uh, uh, that guy, 304 pounds of a missing a meal, uh, uh, I, I, hope, I hope we don't get sued for for his uh, mental uh, 
disturbance uh, at this point, Sal, because, you know, missing a meal, passing a buffet line, that's something Jarrell Miller just, just can't do. Well, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's something that a lot of fighters shouldn't do. And, uh, you know, like I said, you are what you eat, literally. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the food. Uh, and I'm just saying, like I said, when you're a paid professional fighter, you've got to look at it seriously. Look in the mirror. You, you've got only a few short years to change and to adopt, to adapt and to change and to do things differently of what you're trying to achieve in greatness in the sport of boxing and money and income and all the other incentives that you have to, for being a professional fighter. So guess what? You have to alter your life, your lifestyle. You got to commit to things. You got to do things differently. You got to have balance in your life. You got to train. You got to stretch your body. You got to rest your body. You've got to eat healthy because literally, you know, the food you put in your mouth is literally the fuel that your body is going to respond to. And uh, like I said all along, it's 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 just a few short years. And if you take on the responsibility and the commitment to be a paid professional fighter, then you should take your craft very serious and do what you got to do for those few short years because you got the rest of your life to to do whatever you want afterwards. But make those sacrifices and commitments and have some discipline before when you are in that, those span of years while you're fighting. You know, the the word discipline is, is the key here, and, and it's something that uh, – we lack today in society, not only in, in sports, but in society. Uh, you know, I've, I complain a lot about, uh, you know, people just don't seem to be held accountable for, for their actions anymore. And the Japanese Boxing Commission is, is <laughs> making sure that the fighters are held accountable and are uh, throwing down some serious uh, consequences. Now, being indefinitely suspended, one of the problems with this sport is that being indefinitely suspended in Japan doesn't necessarily mean uh, that Higa can't fight someplace else. I wish that when a uh, commission issued a suspension for whatever reason, that all commissions, not only in the States, and in this case not only commissions in Japan, but all commissions uh, adhere and, and respect those suspensions uh, for the reasons that the commission felt uh, warranted the suspension in the first place. So uh, uh, it is what it is. Now, let's get some uh, Triple G Canelo news. Yes, please. Uh, I can't Triple wait G, to hear this. Triple G uh, and Canelo. Uh, we all know that Canelo uh, tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs, clarambuterol, uh, has since uh, test been tested a couple of times. Uh, when he initially was tested in February, not once but twice, failed. Uh, he, they did uh, take a hair follicle test, which pa uh, which he was uh, came up clean. Um, I was educated to uh, people told me that you can beat hair follicle tests. I, I wasn't aware that you could, uh, but nonetheless, Triple G had also taken the opportunity to have some surgery done since his vacation. I mean, uh, suspension uh, for six months. He won't be allowed. Uh, back in a gym theoretically until August. Many people feel that uh, the rematch between Triple G and Canelo will take place in September. It was originally scheduled for this weekend, tomorrow, uh, is to be exact. Uh, Triple G was adamant about continuing to fight. 
had a lot of problems finding an opponent, found a last-minute opponent uh, with uh, a couple of weeks to prepare uh, in Vanis Monteroshian. Uh, he's a come-at-you fighter, a quality fighter. He's been out for a while, uh, but, uh, you know, we'll break down that fight. But leading up to this fight, final press conferences, etc., 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 of course, everywhere Triple G goes, uh, and is, is the case with Canelo too, except he's in hiding right now, uh, similar to uh, Deontay Wilder and, and Anthony Joshua, both uh, uh, two monstrous guys that no one seems to be able to find right now. Um, but uh, uh, right the, the, truth the, matter, the, the, the truth of the matter is that um, uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, is constantly the guy who they talk to Triple G about. And when he was uh, at his press conference yesterday uh, in California discussing uh, the upcoming fight tomorrow against Vanis Monteroshian on HBO, uh, Triple G once again was asked about the potential rematch with Canelo uh, in September. Now, now, just keep in mind, yesterday we talked about Billy Joe Saunders, and it kind of seemed like Billy Joe Saunders was kind of pissed off at Triple G for not making the fight with him happen in June rather than tomorrow, and then suggested that, it, you know, after he cut uh, Canelo to ribbons, he suggested that he would fight Canelo if the money was right and wasn't that keen on Triple G. It seemed and sounded to me that he was gearing towards a showdown with Canelo rather than fight Triple G, probably for the money. I don't know. But uh, Triple G was asked about the rematch with Canelo yesterday, and his response was, and I quote, I would say it's about a 10% probability at this point that the rematch happens. I would say only 10% that it happens. I think 10% is even high. It's bigger than it should be. I made 99% of the concessions for both fights with Canelo, including wow. the fights scheduled to, on May 5th. 99% of them were by me. And now he's the one that's not here. Isn't that um, amazing? It is wow. amazing. It is amazing. What's your thoughts on, on that comment? Because, you know, it's straight, it's blunt, and it's to the point. Triple G's pissed off, Sal. Well, he is pissed off, and he has every right to be so. And I'll tell you why. Again, guess what, boys and girls? When you're a professional fighter, again, you are a paid professional, which means you adhere to the rules, regulations, laws, agreements, and everything else that comes to be. And for Triple G to come forth and say that he had to make concessions to make the first fight happen uh, doesn't surprise me. We were talking about that yesterday, Bill, and I said, you know, in a perfect world, there'll be trade-offs and there'll be agreements made where both sides don't feel like they quite won everything that they look for, but also feel like they haven't quite lost either. So it would be uh, on a par level that both fighters get and give a little bit of what they can live with. And uh, that would be a fair uh, assessment of concessions, uh, which uh, now we're finding out, according to Triple G, that he made 99% of the concessions to concede and to do along the lines of what Canelo Alvarez wanted to have uh, in his favor, which I I, I I don't see why he had to do it, but he did it. 
Well, I said uh, previously, well, we're going to have to hold that thought because uh, I got to take a break. We'll be back uh, in uh, two minutes. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before we went to break, uh, we were talking about uh, Triple G making all the concessions, blah, blah, blah. If they, uh, you know, not only for the first fight, but for the rematch as well. Many of us, most of us feel that Triple G won the first fight, so there shouldn't have even been any concessions made. He was uh, um, workable in a sense where he made all the concessions to have the second fight and Canelo doesn't show up. Um, I believe Triple G should call all the fight, all the all the shots if, if the fight happens. It is his belts. It is something Canelo's going after him. This is one of the main problems with the sport of boxing, how you have one side that potentially has the juice, so to speak, <laughs> no pun intended, the power. Let, <laughs> yeah. me, let, me, let me use a different choice of words. The power because of uh, promotional or et cetera, et cetera. And the other guy's got to, you know, come in uh, bowing down. Or in, in a case similar to what Deontay Wilder's going through with Anthony Joshua, to be aligned with a promotional team that's not willing or capable of, uh, you know, putting up uh, big bucks, even though, uh, allegedly, uh, Wilder's team offered fifty million. Uh, it's still a little shady how that uh, how that would work, but it is what it is. It's the same thing with um, Triple G and his promotional team. As far as uh, the rematch with Canelo uh, between Oscar De La Hoya and Gomez, uh, the team Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy slash Canelo team. Um, had some comments uh, about Triple G's comments. Uh, he, they said when they were asked if the fight would be tainted because of Alvarez uh, testing positive, you know, when the fight actually happens, uh, Team uh, De La Hoya slash Canelo says, no, it shouldn't be. Canelo's a clean fighter, and he'll get tested every single day from now until the fight. The Triple G fight is option number one for Canelo, and we're going to do everything we can to get that fight made. But if Triple G doesn't want the fight, we'll move on and fight a different opponent. Canelo has done everything that's been asked of him, and I think he's proven to the commission and everyone else that he's a clean fighter. And these tests were a mistake that he ate, that he ate the contaminated meat. I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I think uh, Triple G is scared. He knows what he's facing. Canelo was tough and will be tougher. He remembers those last few rounds when Canelo was taking it to him, and I think he's afraid of getting in there with the younger, faster, stronger fighter in Canelo. I believe that is what the real truth is. Um, what's your thoughts on, on that comment, Sal? Well, it's a loaded 
uh, how can I say, instigating comment. I'll, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's one that uh, I I really don't see uh, the reality of what Triple G may be uh, fearful or, or or feeling as far as he not wanting to get in the ring again uh, against Triple uh, against Canelo Alvarez because he feels. He uh, is not going to have uh, things go his way. I, I, I think it would be quite the opposite. I think that uh, Triple G learned a lot from that Canelo Alvarez, and I think he'll put his foot down to the pedal and a medal, and I think that uh, he will probably win in a little more dominant fashion as long as Adeline Bird is not present. Uh, Triple G should get that victory in a rematch, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, age does have a thing. He, uh, Triple it G does is have a thir- thing. he's thirty six, you know, yeah. and and I do believe that Canelo is kind of happy that it was put off again. This was their plan. Oh, yeah, this, this was Canelo. Yeah, this might have been his strategy and plan. Who knows? Yeah, I I I think that they all along. I, I think that they truly believe um, that. Uh, um, you know that that they're trying to drag it on. You you know as well as I that fighters age quickly. A lot of times in the ring during a fight. You know the first half of a fight uh, they look uh, uh, great, and then by the second half of the fight they they age and they're never the same. Uh, but I don't, I'm not so sure. I I agree with um, Canelo dominating the the last few rounds. I I, I maybe the last one. But I thought that uh, Triple G was in control of that fight. Uh, I saw uh, Canelo doing a lot of running in that fight. Uh, I've lost all respect for Canelo Alvarez. He was he was one of my top fighters. I, I I don't agree with Golden Boy Promotions that still claim that Canelo is the biggest name in boxing. I feel that Canelo has clearly uh, lost some of his uh, oomph. You know, I think a lot of fans don't like cheaters. And and especially when they're high profile cheaters that seem to get all the everything in their their way all the time, getting their own way, uh, everything in their favor. You know, that's why fans come down so hard on the bigger names. You know, when a smaller named fighter gets in some kind of trouble or whatever, a lot of times it doesn't make the news. But when a big-name fighter, or any athlete for that matter, uh, does something uh, wrong, it's headline news. You know, uh, Canelo made a mistake. He got caught. He, he's a cheater. He got caught. The question now looms in everyone's mind, how long has he been cheating? Was it tainted meat? Was it not tainted meat? Has he been pulling the wool over everyone's eyes for so long? Antonio Margarito, knocking people out, knocking people out, destroying people. All of a sudden... They bust him uh, before the Shane Mosley fight, putting cement in his gloves, basically. And now everyone always said, well, the only reason why he beat everyone up is because he, you know, he had the tainted gloves. You know, I, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I, you, you know, you can't say everybody's got to be clean and then test positive. I just think that Canelo has this attitude and a lot of superstar athletes, you see it. Uh, you know, high school superstars that go on to college and go on to play in the prof- in the professional ranks, you know, they get treated special. And because they're never held accountable, the same thing we started to show with, they never feel they have to. I read the blotter reports on these pro athletes that are making millions and millions of dollars every year, and they're getting, you know, 
doing stupid things, driving drunk. In the NFL, they have they have a a, a a a program where you could, if you're an NFL player anywhere in the United States and you need a ride, you pick up the phone and call their hotline, and they'll they'll get you back to wherever you gotta go. It's part of their their league. The baseball league is the same, and yet these wow. guys still get in their cars and drive drunk, and and you know uh, mishaps happen. You know, so um, no, you got to be held accountable. I think that Canelo got off very easy. I'm I'm disturbed over it, and I've lost a lot of respect for Canelo Alvarez. And I personally hope that Triple G does not fight him. And I hope that other fighters don't run to fight him. I want to see the fans do what the Japanese Boxing Commission does to their fighters, to Canelo. And that is... Hurt him where it hurts the most, in his pocketbook. Don't buy his pay-per-views. Don't support the guy. And and send a clear message, not only to Canelo, but to other fighters, and especially Golden Boy. Golden Boy Promotions was in the driver's seat a couple of years ago. They seem to be dropping off and uh, looking like a pretty sleazy outfit to me, Sal. Well, I'll tell you, you, you said a mouthful, and I think that if the fans had enough of uh, these scenarios occurring on a regular basis in the game of boxing, the sport of boxing, then yeah, they could uh, do what you suggested and, and not support those fighters that uh, are a little less favorably looked at, at today because of their actions outside the ring. Um, it's it's just part of what, uh, what drives the sport. And, you know, you have fans that drive the sport and they have their popular fighters and, and these fighters that, uh, that tout their pound their chest and tout that they're the best. And, you know, they try to fight and it's just, it's, I don't think it'll ever happen. I think Canelo will have the slap on her wrist. I think he'll resurrect a good career because of his age and things like that. And I just, uh, I, I'm torn on the idea that, uh, Triple G and Canelo may not have that rematch because I, I, I and I and I look at it from a different perspective. Just because I felt that Triple G was not validated or was not recognized as the winner of the last fight, I am going to come out and say I, I'd like to see him have the second opportunity to close the show and to uh, be dominant and um, close the show with a big victory over Canelo Alvarez in the ring, cheater or not cheater. I think that would be his way of going out uh, in style and uh, and making a big statement to the world of boxing. Maybe even signifying that that might be his last fight. But uh, here we are. It's going to be a year later. Everything seems to work in Canelo Alvarez's favor according to these uh, the, the dates and things like that. So you never know, Bill, how much of this was, um, was actually uh, pre-planned or how much of this was actually... Uh, uh, thought about and who who actually uh, wants this to play out the way that it's, it's going. You know, I, I don't think that Canelo, and I don't think you meant it this way, but I, I don't think Canelo planned on getting caught. I, I no, think I do. No, I, I do I, think I, I do think that he planned on getting away with it. Um, to me, I do believe that he was very well aware that he was cheating. But I don't think that he planned on getting caught. And at this point, I hope that uh, I, I hope that other people, other boxing fans, feel this just as 
just as negatively as I feel. Canelo let us down. I mean, that's the bottom line. Big name, superstar in the sport, quality fighter. I think he let not only us, but all of his fans down. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Sal and I are going to break down five fights that are scheduled for this weekend. And then uh, we'll hear from Dax and get his thoughts as well. Don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. You know, in between breaks, you know. Um, I caught the uh, that hologram commercial. That seems pretty cool, man. Uh, you know, to see uh, these past great performers that are no longer with us um, being able to go to a concert of theirs via a hologram. Uh, I wonder if they know about it. But uh, anyway, yeah. um, we got some fights we're going to talk about. Uh, and I picked five. Paul Butler against Emmanuel Rodriguez for a vacant IBF World Bantamweight title. Or is it? I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, then uh, Ryan Garcia against Jason Velez, uh, Tony Bellu, David Hay rematch, <laughs> and uh, the Triple G Vanis Monteroshian fight. So uh, let's kick it off uh, with the uh, first fight that I want to talk about, Paul Butler against Emmanuel Rodriguez. Uh, what's on the line is the vacant IBF uh, World Bantamweight title, but... I think it's only going to be on the line for Emmanuel Rodriguez. Paul Butler missed weight, Sal. He was two pounds no over. Way. He was two pounds over. This fight is being fought in uh, the UK. Uh, he was the home side and still can't make weight. Uh, that's a shame considering that he did challenge for uh, a world title, but in the junior bantamweight division, and that was uh, three years ago. So, uh, you would think that uh, he would have been able to make this. But let's start off with Emmanuel Rodriguez. Emmanuel Rodriguez is 25 years old, four years younger than Paul Butler. Uh, he is uh, uh, five foot six in height. He uh, has a 66 and a half inch reach. He's undefeated as a pro. 17 wins, 12 coming by knockout. Has not reached 100 rounds yet as a pro. Um, but he is a KO puncher. He's got a 71% knockout ratio. Uh, the computer sees him at number 13 uh, in the world. Uh, when you take a look at this guy's resume, oh, his last eight opponents, I think, were all good opposition. Uh, you know, he fought uh, Miguel Cartagena at 13-1. and one. He fought uh, Gabor Molinar, 16-6. Uh, and six. He fought Luis Hinosa at 27-8. and eight. Uh, knocked him out, by the way, in three rounds. Alexis Rangel, uh, 16 and four, with a couple of draws. The two biggest fights of his career: Alicia Aquino, 
uh, in Florida. 17-1-1 going into that fight. He got knocked out in the seventh round. And uh, his fight after that, uh, about uh, six months later, uh, Alberto Guevara, who was 24-2, and two, uh, he also uh, went to distance with uh, Rodriguez. At least he went to distance there. Uh, fought two uh, decent opponents in his last two fights. Uh, he steps in, and uh, Rodriguez is, uh, he's got, I think he's got uh, a, uh, uh, his boxing ability is good, and he's got punching power. The only thing I think he needs a little work with, in my opinion, uh, is his uh, is his defense. But uh, he steps in the ring with Paul Butler. Paul Butler is four years older. He's ranked number six in the world, that Bantamweight. Um, now, I don't know. Uh, I, before we went on air, I, I know that he missed the, the weight by two pounds. I don't know if he's still getting a chance to, to lose the two pounds or not. But as of uh, right now, this second, he missed uh, the Bantamweight uh, limit by two pounds, meaning that he's not eligible for the title should uh, he go on to, to fight. The computer sees him at number six at Bantamweight. He's only been beaten once. He's 26-1 and one with 14 knockouts. He's uh, way over the 100-round uh, limit as a pro or uh, accumulation as a pro. He's got 100 rounds more than Rodriguez. He's got 178 rounds. His only loss, which was a knockout loss, came against Zolani Teet uh, when he challenged uh, him for his uh, uh, World uh, Superfly or Junior Bantamweight title. In his last nine fights... Since his world title shot, he's gone unbeaten. He's 9-0, six of them coming by knockout. And when I look at those nine opponents, seven of them are all decent quality opponents. He's got wins against Stuart Hall. Uh, he's got wins against Alexis Ruiz and Sebastian Sanchez, all uh, uh, good fighters. Um, Paul Butler is a well-rounded fighter. Um, who's going to win this fight? Well, in my opinion... Emmanuel Rodriguez. Not only is going to win, uh, but I think he stops Paul Butler. Uh, I think if you haven't seen Emmanuel Rodriguez fight before, you're going to like this kid. He's uh, he's uh, a good fighter, and I think he's going to England and will be coming uh, back to uh, Puerto Rico uh, with the world title. So uh, that's who I'm picking, Emmanuel Rodriguez over Paul Butler. Sal, what's your thoughts on that fight? Billy C., I will tell you this. I think you are the world champion when it comes to breaking down a fighter and uh, giving us the black and white of what we need to know. And I will tell you this. Based on what you said and what I do know about these fighters, again, I'm going to go back. When a fighter fails to do something that he's on contract to do, which is part of his makeup, part of his job description, part of his – Yes, this is a job, by the way. You undertook the role of a professional fighter. You're being paid as a professional. You're making a living. So when you see a fighter that doesn't have the discipline and he comes in two pounds overweight, what that tells me, Bill, is there's other areas he may be taking shortcuts in. Uh, there may be other areas that he thinks he's taken for granted. So there, I'm not saying each case or every case, but I think in certain cases, that's what that tells me. So based on a lot of what you're saying and, and based on what I do know, the little bit that I do know about these fighters, I also will go with uh, Rodriguez for a lot of reasons. So I think Rodriguez will come out the victor. Well, hopefully, hopefully, uh, I would like to see the title on the line. 
So hopefully uh, Paul Butler uh, will get his chance to, to lose that weight. I know he's got uh, some time, but uh, in any event, it's not changing my opinion. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm going with uh, Rodriguez as well. Uh, the next fight, I can't wait to watch this fight tonight. Ryan Garcia, uh, Kring, Kingry Garcia. Uh, he's that phenom. We watched him a month ago fight Fernando Vargas. Yes. He's uh, five foot ten. Uh, he's got some pop. He's a good-looking kid. He's only 19. We saw screaming girls. I thought I was watching the Beatles at Shea Stadium. He we saw all, the, the all these screaming girls coming to watch him. I love it. I love it. That's exactly what boxing needs. It needs um, fighters that can, you know, bring new fans in. And if they're screaming because they want to get a piece of Ryan, if you know what I mean, I don't care as long as they're at the venue watching the fights. Uh, love the fact that Ryan Garcia uh, seems to be such a draw. Now, he's 19 years old, 11 years younger uh, than his opponent, Jason Velez. He's undefeated, 14-0 and with 13 knockouts. The uh, computer has him ranked at number 47 in the world. Uh, he's fairly tall, I think, uh, at least I would think, for a super featherweight, 5'10", 70-inch reach. Um, his last fight was a, a, a big fight. Um, in terms of uh, uh, stepping up in, in level, although the previous fight he did fight an experienced guy. He seems uh, to have been moved the right way. They're, they don't seem to be really coddling him. Uh, Marco Antonio Messias was a big test for him. Then he fought uh, Miguel Cariosa, uh, Cesar Allen Venezuela, No Martinez Regoza, and then, of course, uh, uh, Fernando Vargas. His first two fights, he weighed 132 and a quarter pounds. One of the things we were talking about, about Ryan Garcia, is that he's probably going to be moving up in weight. He's only 19. But check this out. In his last couple of fights, he didn't hit 130. He weighed 129 and a half. So uh, the weight management here is good. This guy's got a good jab. He's fast. My knock on Ryan Garcia is he stands up a little too straight. And a, uh, a fighter that can get on the inside may do damage. And maybe... That will be Jason Valise. Now, Jason Valise isn't that much shorter. He's only an inch and a half shorter. He is 11 years older. He's a former uh, world title challenger. Did he lose? No, he got a draw. He got a draw when he challenged Envy Gradovich back in 2014 uh, for Gradovich's uh, uh, featherweight title. Um, since then, you know, he had a bit of a bad luck. He, he After that challenge, a draw, he fought Daniel uh, Ramirez, and then he lost... All of his four losses, his record is 26 wins, 18 by knockout, four losses, one draw, which was the title uh, uh, shot. Um, never was stopped in his four losses, but all four losses came at once within a one-year span. He fought Gradovich for the title. He came back with a uh, let's get him a win-win against Daniel Ramirez. Then he lost all 10-round decisions, two of them close, but Ronnie Rios, Jojo Diaz, Rene Alvarado, and Alfredo Santiago, who, by the way, was only a 6-0 fighter, all beat him via 10-round decisions. The Rene Alvarado experienced tough fighter and the Alfredo Santiago fight both uh, were close. One was a split decision. One was a uh, majority decision. Uh, since those four losses, he's fought three tough fights. He beat uh, Alberto Mercado, Giovanni Caro. And uh, in his last fight, he knocked out Juan Lopez in the 12th round. 
Um, Jason Velez is a real fighter. It's going to be a huge test for uh, Ryan Garcia. You know, I honestly believe that this is a 50-50 fight. Ryan Garcia, uh, is uh, if he gets this win, uh, he is going to be in, in position for a title shot, I would think. Uh, now, just so you know, the computer ranked Ryan Garcia at number 47, Jason Valiz at number 31. I'm going with the kid. I'm going with the kid here, even though I think that Jason Valise is a real tough opponent, and we're going to see how good Ryan Garcia is tonight. I'm picking Ryan Garcia. Who do you like in this one, Sal? Well, I'll tell you why. When I first saw Ryan Garcia, his last fight out, I said, wow, this is a future superstar budding out to be uh, fantastic. And, yes, the, there were some things that I, I did – also make note of and standing up too straight and uh you know was one of them and i think uh i think he is going to be well schooled and uh he has fought i mean his last fight out he he beat a dominant uh, a good experienced fighter and the same thing with jason valesquez he uh he he um he's a he's a tough out he's a tough fighter he's got a world of experience and this is only uh, Ryan Garcia's 14th, 15th fight. So uh, there's going to be, uh, I think, a good uh, test here for him. Uh, but I think having the youth, having the, the, the sense of who he is and uh, having the discipline, I, I think he's going to have some real hard tests he's going to be faced with in this fight to, uh, tomorrow. But I do think that he's going to be able to come out and overcome these uh, obstacles. And he's going to gain more experience. And he's going to shine further on. So I do see Ryan Garcia in a very tough fight where he's going to be tested. And he's going to be having his, uh, his, uh, his, 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 uh, literally, his, uh, his body on the line here because uh, this is a good experienced fighter. I think he's going to be ultimately coming out ahead, and he's going to learn a world of boxing experience from this fight. So I do see Ryan Garcia winning. Next fight I'm going to pick is uh, David Hay against Tony Bellew. Listen, David Hay, in my opinion, is the most overrated, biggest fraud in the sport of boxing. People are going to tell me, oh, well, he was such a successful cruiserweight. Yeah, he got some uh, big wins as a cruiserweight. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but when the biggest fight in the cruiserweight division was in front of him, he bailed. And that was against Christoph Zarek. And he moved up to heavyweight. When he moved up to heavyweight, he had a carefully chosen path. He did win uh, the world uh, heavyweight title when he beat, in my opinion, uh, he did not win. But he did rock Nikolai Valuev and took the title via a majority decision back in 2009, had a successful defense against John Ruiz, who was shot. He had a fixed fight win against Audley Harrison. Then, after uh, chasing him around for years, he steps in the ring with Vladimir Klitschko and dogs out, man. This guy was such a punk with all the stuff that he was doing and saying he dogs out and runs from Klitschko for 12 rounds, then had the nerve to put his foot up on the podium and say he hurt his little toe. That's why he couldn't fight. His toe hurt. You know, so I lost all <laughs> kinds of respect for this guy. I don't think Can't, stand Can't stand him. Can't stand him. 
just uh, he is a fraud with a capital F. I don't understand why the Brits like him so much. In his last fight with uh, Tony Bello, Tony Bello knocked him out. Uh, but what does he do? He makes an excuse. He hurt himself. Yes, he did hurt himself, but it is what it is. He's a former heavyweight and cruiserweight champ, 38 years old, six foot three, same height as Bellow. Uh, he does have a four-inch reach advantage, 78 inches uh, versus 74. His career record, 28 wins, 26 by knockout, three losses in which he was knocked out twice. Uh, and uh, he has 133 rounds as a, uh, a professional. Uh, he weighed 224 and a half pounds for the last Bellu fight. Let's see what he weighs for this one. Uh, I think they uh, already weighed. I don't have the weights in front of me. He steps in the ring with Tony Bello. Tony Bello is a cruiserweight. Basically, he moved up to heavyweight just to fight David Hay and won. He's currently, I think, the uh, cruiserweight champion in recess, a former world champ. Uh, fighting the rematch when he fought David Hay the first time, he weighed 213 pounds. Uh, same height, six foot three, four inch shorter in reach at 74, and two years younger at 36. His career record: 29 wins, 19 by knockout, two losses in which he was stopped once, and has a draw. Uh, does have 100 rounds, uh, almost 100 rounds more than David Hay under his belt. How do I see this fight going? Um, I can't stand David Hay. So whether David Hay wins or not, I'm rooting and picking officially. Uh, Tony Bello. What's your thoughts, Sal? Well, I like Tony Bello, and I think that history will repeat itself, and uh, uh, I think uh, Tony wants to have a big night. And David Hay, I don't know where he is in his career at this point. Uh, he's been around for a while, and he's gotten some good opportunities, but uh, I, I do think that Tony Bello is going to go out there and be a little more serious, and uh, he's going to put the... Uh, the exclamation mark on his victory over David Bay. So I picked Tony Bellow. Hey. It's David Hay. And and David yeah. Hay, by the way, um, I think we are going to see the best David Hay. Contrary to all of his excuses all the time, when he doesn't perform well, he'll tell you, oh, I, you know, he'll make, he'll, he, he'll make an excuse big time. Um, but there's a big fight for him down the road um, if uh, – uh, if if he does win this fight. So let me just say that. There's more on the line for David Hay than there is Tony Bellew. David Hay wins his fight. He's got some domestic fights uh, on the horizon, possibly. Uh, obviously, Anthony Joshua, maybe even Tyson Fury. So uh, chances are David Hay, if he doesn't get knocked out, will get the nod. All right, the big fight of the weekend, Triple G against Vanis Martirosian. We all know the backdrop. Uh, story. Uh, this fight was supposed to be Triple G against Canelo. Canelo cheated, tested positive performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, Canelo, uh, Triple G refused to pick another date. Um, time went on. The clock ticked, and at the last minute, not only did they get Vanis Monterosian, but uh, the uh, IBF uh, and all of the other titles as well that... Uh, uh, Triple G has the IBF, the IBO, the WBA, and the WBC all on the line, all approved Martirosian as an opponent, which shocks me. Uh, he is uh, 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 36 wins, 21 by knockout. He's got three losses in which he was never stopped, and those three losses, too, uh, were, worth, uh, were against uh, world title shots. And uh, the third loss was against... Uh, 
uh, Jermel Charlo, a much bigger guy back in 2015. His last fight was against Ursandi Lara for Lara's title. He went to distance, 12 rounds with Lara, uh, and that was uh, May of 2016. So it's almost going to be two years uh, that he steps in the ring. He's a former world title challenger. He challenged for the uh, junior middleweight title twice. Uh, like I said, his last fight was Ursandi Lara. He also lost to uh, Jermel Charlo. He's got wins over Ishii Smith, the most boring fighter on the planet, uh, right behind, uh, right above uh, Floyd Mayweather. He's got a big win against Willie Nelson, um, and he also fought and lost to Demetrius Andrade for a title shot. His draw was his first fight against Ursulandi Lara. Uh, he's a come-at-you fighter. He's going to be right in front of uh, Triple G, exactly what Triple G wants. And when we take a look at Triple G, it's not much I'm going to tell you that we haven't already said about Triple G. Uh, world middleweight champion. Should be ranked number one in the world at middleweight. But for some crazy reason, a computer has him at number two. The number one middleweight, Canelo, which makes me uh, laugh my ass off. It's a joke. I can't um, now, he's eight years. Reboot. This guy, uh, Triple G, has held the title for eight years. He won the uh, his first title in WBA interim title against Milton Nunez back in 2010, August 14th. Uh, his last fight against Saul Canelo Alvarez, most of us thought he won. He's also got wins over Daniel Jacobs, Kell Brook. Uh, the list goes on and on. I mean, you can uh, uh, take a look at uh, David Lemieux, Willie Monroe, Martin Murray, Marco Antonio Rubio, Rubio Daniel Giel, uh, Curtis Stevens when he was hot, um, you know, uh, Nashiro Ishida. No, uh, Nubir, uh, yeah, him. Matthew Macklin, Gabe Rosado, uh, Prosca. I mean, I, he's fought everybody available to him in the middleweight division. Listen, Triple G is going to be pissed off in this fight. I feel for Vanis Martiroshian. I give him the uh, the benefit of the doubt that he's man enough to step in and get a payday. But the 37-0 and 0 with 33 knockouts, 87% knockout ratio for Triple G. His one draw against Canelo in his last fight. I'm looking for Triple G to win this fight, win it by knockout, make a statement, and I hope that he never fights Canelo. That's what I hope. What's your thoughts, Sal? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I, um, what can I say about Triple G that we don't know? He he is definitely a very special human being, very special fighter. Uh, he takes his craft very seriously. He trains He's all business, and he does the best he can to represent with in the sport of boxing what a professional fighter is supposed to be like, in his opinion, and his his makeup inside and outside the ring. The guy's a straight shooter. The guy guy brings it all 100% to the game, 100% uh, of the time. Uh, he's all business once he's in a ring, and I uh, I see this as a good chance to uh, just showcase his abilities and talents. And, you know, I've often said, and, and, and I know others feel this way, a lot of times fighters are never the same after they go in the ring with Triple G. Uh, not all the time, but a lot of times we'll see where fighters went after their career uh, when they went into the ring with Triple G. He's that devastating of a, of a hard, hard opponent to overcome. And uh, whether he takes your heart or hurts you, permanently or hurts you temporarily uh, I think he's got a lot of the tools still available to him to, to showcase and uh, for that reason alone I think that Triple G yeah he's going to fight with an attitude he knows 
he was supposed to be in the ring with Canelo. Uh, I think he kept his date for a multitude of reasons that was special to him. One, to keep him active, to keep him focused, to keep him back into the ring on a scheduled fight when he was supposed to be. Uh, and I think that's part of his makeup and his discipline and his heart, saying, hey, I'm still here. I'm going to be the reigning champ for as long as I can, and I take this game serious, so I'm not going to disappoint my fans or look in the mirror and disappoint myself. So there's there's more I could say, but we all know Triple G. He's unique. He's different, and I think for that reason alone uh, and his ability, he's going to have a big night uh, tomorrow night, and I think he's going to win, win in big fashion. It'll be good. The, uh, his, his opponent will give the best he can, but in the end, Triple G is going to win big by a knockout. I think I think he kind of needs to, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's got to make a I, statement. He's I, yeah. had some rough outs. He's got, you know, he's, he's, he's in there with a guy that's been out of the ring for two years. He's in there with a guy that's, you know, traditionally smaller than him. Uh, he's in there with a guy who is tough, has never been stopped. But also, we have to assume that he hasn't really had a big training camp. You know, I don't know if he was in the gym before or not, if he was preparing for something else or not. I don't know. But, um, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, since he's going to be able to make weight, that he's in decent shape. But being on weight and being in fighting shape are two different things. So we'll have to wait and see. But I kind of think Triple G needs a knockout in this fight. Not to, you know, convince the judges or anything like that. But he needs a knockout to show that he's the same Triple G. Even though he's facing a last-minute opponent, so to speak, I think he needs a knockout in this fight. And I think he's got to show that uh, that the 36 years of uh, life that he's been on this planet is not slowing him down. Hopefully he's got accustomed to, to having that time off you know, this was a guy that was used to fighting three times a year, and ever since he teamed up with trying to fight Canelo for some money, it's shattered his his norm. Uh, Triple G's norm has been shattered uh, at the hands of Canelo uh, because of Canelo's diva tactics. And if I'm Triple G, I'm pissed about that too. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Listen, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have Dax Khan join us. We'll get his thoughts on the same five fights that uh, Sal and I just broke down. We'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Hey, don't forget, I want you to join me next weekend up at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York. Uh, HBO World Title Fights, and I'm Ali making his first defense of his world title. Uh, 
Be there. I'm going to be ringside. I want you to be there, too. Get the best pricing on tickets right now by visiting our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the fight poster. It's right there on the right-hand side. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see it. Get some tickets, then drop me an email. Let me know where you're going to be so I can come over and let you, you know, buy me a couple of scotches or whatever. Then the fun starts. But anyway, we'll see you Saturday. Next Saturday, it is, up at uh, the Turning Stone. Joining us right now... uh, not from the Turning Stone, but uh, he's uh, in the state anyway, uh, is my man Dax Khan. And him and Sal uh, are like uh, two kids that are going to be sent to the back of the classroom <laughs> if they don't stop. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, what's up, Dax? What's up? You're sitting there saying, be there, be square. I'm trying to think how they used to, the girls used to do that years ago. They'd be like, L7 square. Yeah, but be there, or be square. I didn't actually say, but I have said that in the past. And that, I think... That was a '50s line. I, I, it was yeah. resurrected in happy on happy days, which was you know the '50s resurrected when I was a kid in the late '70s, early '80s. But anyway, first fight: uh, Paul Butler against Emmanuel Rodriguez for the vacant IBF World Bantamweight title. It looks like it's only going to be on the line for Rodriguez. Paul Butler missed it by over two pounds. He does have some time to lose it, but that's neither here nor there. How do you see the fight going? Uh, yeah, I'll be. I have to come right out and say it. I really don't understand how this is a world title fight. I don't think either guys really should be in a position to be fighting for a world title. But, um, you know, considering Butler's last five opponents were combined 71 and 31, the best name on that list there is um, uh, uh, Dario Ruiz, who's ranked 124th in the world. Um, you know, Rodriguez's last opponent, 85 and 15. You know, the IBF has stripped somebody quick, though. But, uh, you know, you summed that up before. Nothing uh, more than I could say. Then um, what you said about Rodriguez, you know, I think he's a, um, you know, the more solid prospect, the harder hitter. I think that uh, since the, Z- the Zolani Teat lost, uh, <laughs> Butler has been carefully maneuvered. So I think Rodriguez is going to knock out Butler and come home with, you know, bring that title back home, as you stated. I really have nothing more to elaborate on. You summed it up. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez is, uh, is a real fighter. Uh, Butler, you know, not making a weight. Eh, that's a flag right off the bat. And, uh, uh, I was noticing some people in the chat room suggesting that they did that purposely, but when there's a title on the line, you don't get the title, so I, it makes no sense. But anyway, let's move to the next one. In a big fight that, I, I tell you the truth, it's the fight I'm looking forward to the most this weekend, and it's tonight. Ryan Garcia against Jason Velez. Big step up in uh, quality opposition for Ryan Garcia. How do you see this fight going? Yeah, I agree. In my opinion, this is uh, should be uh, the toughest opponent in the career of Garcia to date. You know, Garcia's a tall. Um, you know, he's only he's five foot ten. He's only nineteen years old. He has power. Thirteen of his fourteen wins come uh, by stoppage. Um, he has skill. He's a very well rounded fighter. Uh, his wins over Fernando Vargas, uh, uh, Noah Regoza, uh, Mario uh, Masias. You know, none of those guys are overly special, but, you know, for somebody who only has uh, 14 fights to go in there against Journeyman with that much experience, we don't see that very often. So, you know, that's how you really uh, you build a fighter uh, quickly. And, you know, this way, um, you know, by the time he's at the 20th fight, he's seen every style there possibly could be. Uh, you know, Velez, you know, he had a great start to his career, very similar to Garcia. You know, he had wins over um, names like uh, Salvador Sanchez, uh, uh, Dan Gwynn, um, Johan Alberto Molina. He had that draw against uh, Yuveni Gradovich. You know, again, all experienced journeymen, and, you know, they help a fighter, you know, build into that complete uh, skill set by the time they're at their 20th fight. Then he had those four losses in a row. I think to Ronnie Rios, Joseph Diaz, Rene Alvarado, Alfredo Santigo. Um, you know, uh, he didn't get dominated 
dominated. He didn't get knocked out. He didn't get knocked down. Uh, but, you know, uh, he did lose four in a row. So, you know, kind of question what was going on in his career, maybe bad camp. Then he comes back. He wins three in a row. And then um, he stops uh, former world champion uh, Juan Manuel Lopez. You know, so, uh, you know, this is definitely a, um, a very well-matched fight. You know, I think that um, Ryan Garcia will know the truth about him tonight, whether or not you know, this kid really has the goods, you know, whether or not he could take a punch. It's more or less, you know, a boy versus a man. Ryan Garcia uh, pretty much still has that boy strength. He hasn't stepped into that man strength yet. Um, Jason Velez obviously has the more experience. You know, what troubles me, though, about Ryan Garcia is the fact that, you know, he's had six suspensions in two years, and he's only had 14 fights. You know, he was uh, in, in his last fight, you know, he was suspended in Canada indefinitely because like, uh, you mentioned not making weight. He didn't make his weight against no uh, Martin. Um, he didn't make his weight against a, uh, a Regoza. You know, he came in a half a pound over. You know, he ended up making it eventually, but, you know, not making that weight, you know, so early on, you know, that's a bad sign. Um, he was also suspended this year after the Fernando Vargas fight. He was suspended for six days for failing to comply with uh, California State Athletic Commission rules. I believe he didn't go in there with a post-fight testing. So, you know, I don't know really, you know, where, where's the, the head of this kid right now? You know, what's going on with this kid? You know, what's going on with the team? You know, at 19 years old, uh, things just seem pretty unorganized to be suspended six times in two years, even though they were brief. So, you know, um, this fight, in my opinion, is kind of a 50-50, uh, you know, you know, we'll find out tonight whether or not Ryan Garcia is the truth. But I'm going to have to say I'm going to go with Jason Velez in this one. You know, could it be linked to Golden Boy Promotions fighters? You know, these are these are the guys. You know, and I'm going to get off topic here for a second, Dax. But you know, I, I thought that Golden Boy was the best promotional team several years ago. I, I was like really happy with the direction I thought that Golden Boy was going in. And, man, have they dropped off. It, 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 obviously, since Richard Schaefer left, it's not the same uh, promotional outfit. But they have just sinking deeper and deeper into the abyss. You know, if they have a young 19-year-old uh, uh, fighter like Ryan Garcia and he's, and he's failing uh, tests and being suspended at 19 so early in his career, uh, you have to wonder if, if this outfit is actually trying – to stretch the rules a little bit, I, I I don't know, I don't know, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that, but let's move well, these, on. These suspensions, real quick, Bill, aren't anything that Ryan Garcia himself is doing wrong. It's the people around him that should be making sure that these certain things get done are not doing. Well, that's my point. That's my point. You know that the whole team is responsible. Listen, you can't say we 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 and then say he 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 when when something bad happens. You know. So anyway, remember this. Remember this much. You mentioned Richard Schaefer. After that split up, there was that interview with Oscar De La Hoya and Rich, about Richard Schaefer and how many of the fighters Richard Schaefer took and what Richard Schaefer actually brought to Golden Boy Promotions. And the one I remember, the one thing that stood out in that conversation was, but at least you still have Canelo. And Oscar De La Hoya, you know, says, yes, at least I still have Canelo, and that's a good thing. You know, more or less, what that was telling me was without Canelo, pretty much that company may have folded because I don't think Oscar De La Hoya, despite his great career as a fighter, you know, really um, knows how to, you know, be that promoter that uh, we expect and we want him to. Just like, you know, Floyd Mayweather, you know, without the people around Floyd Mayweather, like Leonard Ellerby or, you know, and Al Heyman and so on, Floyd Mayweather would not have been that, you know, that huge draw and made all that money. So, yeah. You have to wonder what's going on there. Yeah, but you know the the thing the thing with with De La Hoya, uh, you know Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy Promotions, 
what the reason why I had so much faith in them as a promotional company is because they did the right things when they started out. They they had Oscar, obviously, they had some older fighters signed and they took the time to build the roster of young talent so that when the old guys walked away because they couldn't fight anymore, they had been able to infuse these young talent. It seems they've drifted away, with the exception of Ryan Garcia, it seems like they've drifted away from getting quality young opposition, They uh, young uh, fighters. They have some young fighters, but they just don't seem to be uh, you know, uh, busting up the, the, the sport. And and the same, you mentioned Mayweather promotions. I've said all along, never liked Floyd as a fighter, but I think that Floyd would make a great promoter. He's clearly a good promoter, but he doesn't have the ability, or, or uh, maybe he has the ability, but he doesn't have the desire to surround himself with a lot of good young talent. As soon as some of his young fighters seem to take off, uh, next thing you know, they're getting arrested. They're doing something. You know, he just – and I wish he would change his tune. I wish that uh, Floyd would, would become more of a promoter because we need, especially in the United States, we need a good promotional outfit. Uh, Eddie Hearn is, is taking over the sport. But uh, anyway, moving on. To, uh, speaking of Eddie Hearn, uh, we'll move over to England. Uh, Tony Bellew and David Hay rematch. Dax, no one can stand David Hay more than me. Uh, is this a fight? I mean, is what's your thoughts on this? Now, I'll say from the start right off the bat, Tony Bellow's going to win this again. Even though Tony Bellow's been fairly inactive the last few years, he only fights about once a year, he does fight against you know top-quality names. Uh, David Hay is a part-time fighter at best who does more talking and he's injured more than he steps into the ring or, or probably even into the gym. You know, this is nothing more than a grudge match, in my opinion. David Hay has not been the same fighter since Klitschko fight, even though he didn't get knocked out into that fight. I think uh, Vladimir Klitschko really sapped his confidence. You know, he went in there thinking that, you know, because he was able to go in, go the distance, take that title away from Nikolai Voluev, who was a lot bigger than Vladimir Klitschko, and even stumble Luev, he was going to be able to go in there and do that against Klitschko. And David Hay, you know, when he's at his best, he's a skill fighter, and he certainly has a lot of pop to him. But, you know, it didn't work out that way. He was more or less manhandled in that fight, and, you know, I think that really did a lot to the psyche of David Hay. And Tony Bella was a confident guy. Um, he's a skilled guy. Um, he's small for today's error heavyweights, as is David Hay, but, you know, he's really not a small guy. He was draining himself to get to light heavyweight, very comfortable at cruiserweight, and today's cruiserweights are like yesterday's heavyweights. So I think pretty much what's going to happen is the same thing as last fight. Um, unless David Hay, like I stated for that fight, gets Tony Bellow early, what's going to happen is Bellow's going to take him in late and he's going to stop him. You think Bellow's going to stop him again? Yeah, um, unless David Hay gets him early. Like I said, in the la uh, like the last time they fought, that was my prediction as well. David Hay has to get him early or Bellow's going to drown them late, and that's what's going to happen again, in my opinion. I hope so. I hope so. Um, and, and Bella was never uh, uh, that great anyway at Cruiserweight. I think it just – listen, I, I'll go on record. I've said it many times. David Hay, to me, is the biggest fraud ever in boxing. So, I, And I, I just don't – you know, with all of the quality fighters that are over in the U.K. and, and how they've kind of been carrying boxing on their back, to – to have the fans still support David Hay, I, I don't know. What does he do? Th throw out $100 bills during his fights? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. The big fight, I guess, in theory, this weekend, 
was the salvaged May 5th date for Triple G. He's taking on Vanis Monteroshian. Vanis Monteroshian, uh, a fighter that uh, uh, has uh, not been in the ring uh, for uh, quite some time. And uh, he is uh, um, stepping in the ring, stepped up, and will be fighting Triple G. Uh, now that you're back in your saddle there, uh, Dax, uh, what's your My thoughts? My going off. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your thoughts on Triple G, Vanis Monteroshian? And my alarm is going off playing um, whatever song it was back there. <laughs> Drive me nuts. I mean, you know, Veins isn't a big puncher, and he's not overly mobile, um, but he's awkward. He can box. Veins is a former Olympian. He has an excellent chin. Um, he's taking the best punches that uh, Jamel Charlo could offer him, uh, Willie Nelson, Demetrius Andrade. Um, he has not big power, but respectable power. You know, he dropped E.J. Smith, who's very durable with a great chin. He dropped Andre early on in their fight. You know, he has 21 of his 36 uh, wins by KO. Baines is a career junior middleweight, but he has come in at middleweight several times in his career. In 2011, he fought twice above the uh, junior middleweight limit, and that was against Richard Gutierrez and uh, Vladimir Cazares. Um, he's coming off on, in off a two-year layoff, but, you know, he's a little bit bigger than Triple G. Uh, I think he has about a height an inch and a half in height and an inch and a half in reach, you know, um, you know, so I, you know, I'm going to predict the triple G win here, but I don't think that it's this gross mismatch that, you know, the fans are, uh, you know, trying to state, you know, the Charlo brothers, both bigger than triple G, um, maybe hit as hard, maybe even a little bit harder than triple G, um, you know, but, you know, uh, Jamal cannot, you know, put uh, Baines down. Baines has been in there with Lara twice. He's been in there with Andre. He's been in there with Ishii Smith. He's been in there with Kasim Uma. He's been in there with Willie Nelson. You know, all guys that are very talented, all guys that, you know, have, have a lot of skill. And, you know, so Triple G, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, he gets a stoppage. Um, it's not going to happen early. Baines Martirosian knows how to survive. He knows how to box. He knows how to uh, cut that. You know, he knows how to move around that ring and make that to the best of his ability. And for all we know, looking at the last few of uh, Triple G's fights, what if, and I'm just saying, a what if, you stated earlier, he aged overnight and Baines Martirosian won this. Uh, if if uh, Martirosian wins this fight, I would think that that would be the end of the career of, of Triple G, wouldn't you? What would that do to the – how would that just rock the sport? You know, one thing um, – uh, you know, that that's just a, you know, a little side note. But one thing I was just wondering, you know, Vane's Monterosian has been off for two years. And, um, you know, considering how big he is, um, you know, he's not huge, not over six feet like, you know, like the Charlos. Or um, he's not, not not as big as Jared Hurd, but you know he's he's a big guy, and um, he has fought over 106 over the um, 154 and over 160 pounds in the past. You know, I'm just wondering. You know, do you think that maybe at some point in time that you know Vane's Martirosian, you know, maybe the 154 pound limit was a bit of a hassle for him? You think maybe he was draining himself a little bit for 154 pounds? And we could see a different version of Martirosian in here on Saturday? I don't know. I mean, you know, every fighter that ages can can handle the weight. But this is a guy that's been out of the ring for two years, Dax. You know, and, uh, you know, if it is, what an opportunity comes knocking on uh, Martirosian's door, you know. But uh, uh, FYI, I just got a word in one of the chat rooms. David Hay weighed 220. That's nine and a half pounds lighter uh, than he weighed in the first Bellew fight. Uh, I don't know if that's going to help him at all, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Getting back to your uh, your uh, Vanis Montarosian uh, uh, comments, I hey, listen, the question is, is he going to make it a fight? You know, is, is this going to be a fight? And like uh, Sal and I were just talking about, I kind of think Triple G needs to win this fight big. 
I think that if he doesn't knock out Monteroshian, who's never been stopped, uh, people are going to criticize him, regardless of if he gets the win. I think he's expecting to knock out a late sub, regardless of who it is. What, what do you think about that? You know, just like Daniel, uh, somebody said last Saturday when the fights were on, um, right after the Danny Jacobs fight, that, you know, his phone is going to be ringing off the hook like Triple G's after this performance. Uh, we spoke about that Monday, how he didn't look great, but, you know, he put on a pretty dominant performance other than, you know, those couple uh, seventh and eighth rounds where he seemed to take a break or kind of tired out a little bit. You know, Triple G has always had a hard time getting fights. Um, you know, a lot of people have stressed a little bit too much at that early success of uh, Kel Brook. They really put a little bit too much on there about the Danny Jacobs situation. Uh, you know, there was a lot to uh, put too much on there about the Canelo fight. Do you think that maybe, you know, Triple G, a guy who has tried to make fights a little bit more exciting than they should be, where he's willingly took punches, a bad idea, but, you know, you know, um, they'll say, you know, I try and uh, put on a show for my fans. Do you think that maybe... You know, possibly, you know, this guy is trying to look a little bit vulnerable so he can really land one last mega payday before he retires. I mean, he's 37 years old or he's going to be 37 years old, whichever one. I'm not exactly sure when his birthday is. He's had those uh, almost 400 amateur fights. He's had almost 40 professional fights. You know, is, is you know, is uh, he's tired. You know, obviously the body can only take so much more and he's never had that mega payday. Who are you talking about? Triple G? Triple G. You know, I, do you think maybe they're baiting somebody in there for one big fight? Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that, you know, he had that long amateur career. He just turned 36. Um, you know, he was looking for the fight with Canelo. He's legitimately pissed off. Um, you know, the only fight that I, you know, if I'm Triple G's team, the only fight that I care about really is Billy Joe Saunders at this point. You can make a big payday and you have the opportunity to pick up the final belt that he doesn't have and then walk away. The Canelo fight has lost its luster. Um, and that's really the biggest money fight. But but the truth of the matter is, is that Triple G has nothing to prove against Canelo. And I think by not fighting Canelo, he is the guy who ends up making the statement that the sport of boxing and the Nevada State Athletic Commission should have made. I think that Triple G should walk away from Canelo uh, and and I believe him when he says that 10% is being kind that the fight would happen. I would focus on Billy Joe Saunders and make that fight happen or walk away. I mean, uh, at this point, he doesn't have anything to prove. Canelo, Canelo I've lost all respect for Canelo, as you know, Dax. And, uh, you know, it's a shame that we still even talk about this guy. Well, and I haven't lost all respect for Canelo, but just as we were mentioning earlier about um, promoters and that, you know, he's in another situation where I blame the promoter more than I blame the fighter, you know, because he's considering how young Canelo is. Um, you know, he's not, you know, a kid anymore, but, you know, he still pretty much has, for his whole career, just followed the, the blueprint, blueprint that his promoter has laid out for him. So, you know, you kind of have to, you know, just, you know, go along with that. You know, who do you blame, the fighter or the promoter? You know, but, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, he does have the desire to fight anybody. I think he would fight anybody, but whether or not, you know, the promoter allows. You know, a lot of people don't understand, you know, uh, we'll take the Anthony Joshua or the, uh, the Deontay Wilder situation where everybody's going, well, Wilder offered this contract and Joshua offered that contract. You know, it's Wilder's fault. It's Joshua's fault. Fact of the matter is, even if Wilder said, I'll take a dollar and Joshua said, I'll take 50 cents unless Eddie Hearn approves that and unless Wilder's team approves that, you know what? That fight's not happening because, you know, these promoters have to be willing to allow these fights to take place. And that's something that a lot of fans don't really understand. 
Well, what I can't stand about that is the fact that there are actually fans, ignorant fans, because you got to be ignorant if you believe that a business, which boxing is, can exist when a fighter, it's like me saying to you, Dax, hey, Dax, your next art, get an get an article up on the website before the show ends, and I'll give you fifty million. But you have to say yes first. And even if you said yes on air, what what? How am I tied to give you fifty million? You got to have a contract. So to suggest that, well, we we won't give it. We'll give you the contract as soon as AJ says yes. What what kind of? I, I don't understand it. I don't understand the basis of a ridiculous statement like that, but what's even more ridiculous is the fans that support it. The fans that say, oh, how stupid is AJ? Who cares where the money comes from? Exactly. Who cares where the money comes from? As long as it's coming from someplace, you know, you don't agree to something. And then even if you do agree, it's it's worthless. I it's a joke how that whole thing has 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 turned around. Listen, neither one of them want to fight each other this year. It's it's not going to happen. It's a mistake that they don't fight each other, but it's not going to happen. They're both. I was just using that as an example. I know. You know the I know. The themselves but, can't just say, "Okay, we're gonna," you know, the fight is going to happen. You know, the promoters have to agree. Well, the, thing, the guys that do all that. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that the fighters could say, "Hey, they could go into their promoter and managers of and say, hey, I don't care.'" Make the fight. I don't care what I get paid. Make the fight. They could do that. But they hide behind, oh, well, hey, I'm just a fighter. Well, well, I don't hey, make... Bill, Bill, let's be honest. You know, yes, they can do that. But point of the matter is until you get to that certain level, like we use a Floyd Mayweather or a Bernard Hopkins or an Oscar De La Hoya, until you get to that certain level, you know what, and, and you're pretty much managing your own career, you're at the you know, the mercy of what that promoter wants, you know. No matter how willing you are, how much you want that fight, and it's not just we've seen that happen for decades upon decades. And you mentioned something about well, I make that promise, you know. And we've seen how many times has there been lawsuits where you know he made a verbal promise, but there was nothing on paper, and, and you know that's unfortunate. You know the business side of, of the uh, the sport. Uh, one last thing before we go, you know, fifty and zero now. We have another guy, 50-0, WBC minimum weight champion, Juan Hang Minyothin, dominated Leroy Estrada yesterday in his 10th successful world title defense and improved to 50-0. and 0. Is somebody going to come back now and try and make 51-0? You know what I hate the most about that story? They said that he joined May, the Mayweather 50-0 and 0 club. It's such a joke of a statistic. Because many fighters have reached the 50-0 and 0 plateau, kept going, and finally lost. The only significant fighter that could get to 50-0 and 0 is a heavyweight. And that heavyweight's Deontay Wilder. And, and yeah, he should be getting the same recognition as Mayweather got. And you want to know something? He fought the same level of opponents as Mayweather fought. So it is what it is. And he did it in a sooner amount of time, too. Eight years, right? Eight years sooner, right? Yes, but, but but you know you speak about um, how everybody used that, you know. Oh, he joined the Mayweather, uh, the Floyd Mayweather Club. That's another thing that you know was kind of irritating about you know today's era. You know what? There was no reason to even compare him to Floyd Mayweather or bring that in there. You know what that is? That's what they call on the internet clickbait. That you know that was just you know to get people to click down and read this article, and they use Floyd Mayweather's name on there. You know, okay, Floyd put Floyd Mayweather on there. You know, they're going to read that article to try and see who this guy is. That most of these fans. Um, you know, today, who only have this small spectrum of uh, knowledge, whether or not it's just their country.
country and whether or not it's the United States and the UK. But you know, you, uh, you know, not many fans have this overall broad spectrum of, of uh, knowledge, you know, worldwide like they used to. So that's why they'll use somebody like Floyd Mayweather's name or another fighter's name to sit there and get that clickbait instead of doing the actual, the right thing. And just, you know what, as you stated, putting a story out on the guy who did his job. Forget about anybody else. This guy did his job. Do the story on him. Well, the big, the big difference is everybody knows Floyd Mayweather. Nobody knows uh, this guy. So, well, that's that, and that's how you build up the sport into a worldwide, once again, worldwide, the one universal sport that we've had. You do a story on this guy and introduce the world to this guy. I think the best part of the story is the insignificance of fifty and zero in any weight class, but the heavyweight division, and this guy hits that home, in my opinion. But Dax, enjoy the fights, uh, and we'll look forward to you next week, brother. All right, everybody, have a good day. That's Dax Khan uh, giving us his thoughts uh, on the fights this weekend. For all the uh, affiliates out there, um, radio and TV, we are not, I repeat, we are not uh, going to uh, break right here. Uh, so uh, we're going to continue uh, on with the uh, end of the show. So, uh, But in any event, you know, I, I, I just want to talk real quick uh, about that because I can't possibly go through a show without talking about, um, uh, you know, Anthony Joshua and, uh, um, you know, uh, what's his name? What's that guy's name? Uh, oh, yeah, Deontay Wilder. Can't, you know, can't go without talking about them. You know, that offer of $50 million, um, I, you know, it boggles my mind because, I just, first of all, if it was a legit offer and Anthony Joshua doesn't take it, he's an idiot. All right. So, you know, I, I have to say that because if if Anthony Joshua and his team decide that 50 million isn't fair for him, then he's an idiot. OK, but with that said, Deontay Wilder and his team are even more of idiots by actually suggesting that Anthony Joshua must say yes to the fighter versus fighter offer of $50 million, which incidentally was an email sent and a Twitter and a YouTube video sent by, by uh, uh, Deontay Wilder, that they would get all of the stipulations of that contract after he agreed. So let's just say for argument's sake, they put in some crazy stipulations in a contract that AJ's team would never accept and they, they turn around and say no way we're not taking that contract that con is all that Deontay Wilder wants to say is well he said yes he said yes there's, there's no legal ramifications don't any of you people that support the fact that Deontay sent out a verbal offer that AJ's not accepting it in that form because it's not on paper don't you see that that is a shady, scammy kind of a smokescreen offer to begin with? I, I mean, I don't get it. What do you think, Sal? I think it's what I've been saying all along. We're going to hear the rhetoric. We're going to hear all the uh, false truths. And we're going to hear uh, what we really don't need to hear. But it's going to keep everybody talking about it, thinking about it, dreaming about it. And hopefully they're going to come out of the closet soon and say, hey, we've got, uh, we've got this fight signed, sealed, and deliver, delivered. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm hoping for too much uh, because 
you know, my original statement was when two fighters really want to fight each other, it's going to happen. And if both camps and both fighters really feel that they're the next fight for each other and they're going to make it happen for a multitude of reasons, well, they better start uh, making that more aware and uh, to each other and communicating. And like I said, this is all happening right now behind the closed doors, hopefully. You're sounding. Your sound and, and video is really, really choppy. I don't know what you guys are experiencing. Is it really? Yeah. But let me let, ask, let me ask you one quick uh, question. Yesterday yeah. we were talking about, um, you know, the WBC and, and, you know, because this is a uh, – WBC puts out their whole history of the middleweights because of the middleweight fight. And I was, you know, looking at all these fights that they claim are their most memorable WBC championship fights. Um I agree that Dick Tiger's win over Gene Fulmer was uh, memorable. The Joey Gardiello and Ruben Hurricane Carter was, even though it went the distance. Uh, Carlo Monzon, Carlos Monzon against Nino Benvenuti and Hagler Duran, Hagler Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard Hagler, and uh, even Triple G Canelo. Those are the memorable ones for me. But the but the thing that I don't understand is their top ten ranked middleweights of all time sal and sugar ray leonard number one i i i ask you this just to remind you i know we talked about it yesterday but ray leonard's one bernard hopkins is two i don't have a problem with b hop there joey gardiello number three great fighter but number three greatest middleweight of all time above carlos monzon who's at number four above marvin Hagler, who's at number five above nino benvenuti who's at number six above triple g who's at number seven and then emil griffith is eight martinez number nine and rodrigo valdez colombian fighter you know they look at his uh loss record but he fought all of those guys coming up and going down so to speak i, I don't know but do you think that uh, Joey Gardiello should be ranked so high? I mean, am I missing something on him? Well, I I, I pronounced it Joey Giardello, but but uh, you're probably right. It's still the same fighter, and I think he he was a great fighter. Uh, I met the man, and he's a, he was a funny guy, a good guy. Uh, I don't know if I really would have put him above a Marvin Hagler. In all due respect, I don't know. I, I um, I know this is all the WBC champs. Yeah, Sal, you're you're breaking up big time, man. Um, uh, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I, it's I, I it's strange. It's strange. But uh, anyway, we got our trivia question. Uh, so let me get to yes. that. I got a bunch of uh, uh, hints for you because this is this is a tough one. Okay. Um, so if you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at talking. Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. You'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game. I'm going to read the question and then I'm going to give you a, a, a slew of hints. The question is I once stopped the undefeated record of a fighter. Then a week later, I beat his brother. Who am I? I once stopped the undefeated record of a fighter. Then a week later, I beat his brother. Who am I? Let me give you some hints, okay? This guy, um, I gave you his initials, his TC. I gave you the initials of the brothers, uh, DF and GF. 
Um, I'll give you some more information. This guy never fought for a world title, but he did fight 65 professional fights. He also, not only these two brothers that he fought, he actually fought one of the brothers twice. The other one once, but all three of those fights were in succession. So he fought the one brother, and then a week later fought the other brother. Then a couple of weeks after that, fought the original brother again. And one last hint I'm going to give you, which is a big one. This guy was brought in uh, for uh, being accused of being part of fixing the fights. And the fight that was in question was actually the first one that he fought against one of the brothers. So I gave you a lot of hints. There they all are. I'm not going to say them again. Re replay it if you have to. But if you're the first one to get the answer correctly by emailing me, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. You'll win the prize. I'll throw you another. I'll throw another hint too, Sal. While I'm at it, the guy died fairly young too, uh, under fifty years old. So I, I gave a lot of stuff. Wow. So a lot of a lot of search capabilities there uh, for people, Sal. So. Uh, uh, but in any event, yeah, I think you were very generous. <laughs> I, I want to give away. I want to give away uh, uh, another uh, title bout. But uh, in any event, hey, listen, make sure you uh, watch the fights this weekend. Specifically, uh, don't miss tonight's fight: Ryan Garcia against Jason Veliz. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good fight, a good test for this young 19-year-old uh, undefeated fighter. Uh, we'll see how he performs against a uh, former world challenger, title challenger. Uh, so we'll uh, see that. Uh, we'll see how uh, Triple G looks. And we'll talk about all that stuff uh, come Monday morning. So uh, make sure you tune in. The same bat time, same bat channel on Monday morning. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs>